Hello and welcome to another episode of the PD Performance Podcast. Today's episode of the podcast is a conversation with two Sydney Swans and two former Kerry footballers, Paris McCarthy and Julia O'Sullivan. A fantastic conversation about AFLW, the growth of the game, their first season down under, how they adapted to playing a new sport, the transferability of skills from GAA, from basketball, over to AFL. And we talked about the future, we talked about how they perceive everything going on back in Ireland with the Kerry's ladies footballers and their All-Ireland journey this year. So yeah, a fantastic episode. I hope you enjoy it. And if you do enjoy it, please remember to like it, share it and send it. Paris, Julie. Good. The first two Kerry AFLW players and now the first two members or guests on the PD Performance Podcast Tour 2023, so welcome. And uh, we've just had a bit of a chat there off air about what you've been up to, but you've gym and running after this, so nice to see that you're getting the off-season training in. And you're only a couple of weeks finished the season, yeah? Yeah, I suppose we're only three weeks out now. Yeah. Really. Um, but yeah, we just like to keep it going. I think it's easier to maintain everything than let it go and have to build it back up again when pre-season comes along. So yeah, happy to get going straight away did you take a week off did you take a couple of weeks off or did you get straight into training <laughs> no we took a day off and then went back <laughs> in one day um it's just easier um especially with injury and stuff like that it's it's better if we continue doing what we're doing um in case the seasons do get longer uh how are you supposed to go from just doing 12 weeks and then stopping it's just easier to keep going and we're used to that with gaelic anyway you go from county straight into club straight into basketball so it never stops so we're just used to that yeah, i suppose this is essentially our full-time job out here so we wouldn't really know what else to do with ourselves if we stopped exercising really i'm sure you weren't the only ones that went back into it straight away but i would say that there was a few girls that said to themselves look i need just a couple of weeks off um it's interesting to hear from the two e given that this is your first year out here and that you're so young that you're so mature to know that okay my body needs training and if I want to achieve what I want to achieve next year, then I need to train. Have you always been like that? Is that why you're successful, do you reckon? I, yeah, I think I've always been like this. Um, I've known what I needed to do to get to where I need to go. Um, so, yeah, it's just you learn. And then talking to older people, too, and their journey, you just you hear from them that, you know, you need to constantly be doing something to improve. So, yeah. Yeah, I suppose even at home playing with your club and county and university or school or whatever you're playing with, you never really get a break anyway. So you're always kept going when one competition finishes, the next starts. So yeah, just used to that really. It's also though because we love it. Like I don't know what we'd actually do. If we took a day off, I think we'd both probably go into stress mode being like, okay, what are we going to do tomorrow? So it's it's not actually like a job. We like doing what we're doing. Um, sometimes maybe running a lot. <laughs> Isn't the most <laughs> enjoyable, enjoyable thing, but uh, yeah. It is a journey, but afterwards you're yeah. glad you did it. Yeah. But we were also speaking and you've got into a bit of coaching as well. So that's taken up a bit of your time now and filling it with something that is progressive, I suppose, and probably getting you to understand the sport even more because if you can coach it to somebody else or teach them the skills of the sport, then you definitely understand the technical and the tactical demands of it. I suppose we've gone out to a few schools and at the start it was a bit funny. We 
maybe we were asking one of the Australian girls, what are we supposed to do here with the kids? We just didn't even know ourselves what we were supposed to be doing, really. Uh, the kids were probably telling us what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just about studying it. Like, we really took it serious. We asked as much questions as we could. We spoke to everybody. Um, and, yeah, just stuck our head in vision and just kept watching everything. And, like, we're not professionals at it yet. We still have so much to go. Um, but I think we've started off at a good base. Yeah, there's a real mentality here as well that like even the girls that have been playing all their lives that they still don't know it all and they still have stuff to learn, I suppose. So we're a bit far behind in terms of that type of thing. Do you think that the mentality of wanting to continue playing and competing and training consistently 12 months of the year, 52 weeks of the year, has anything to do with coming from Kerry? <laughs> I think so. I think it's just an Irish thing. But, um, like, we were just talking about it in the car and the way in. Um, or la- even last night, we were actually sitting beside an Irish person at the event. Um, and we were all there being like, Irish people are just insane. Work yeah, work horses, just keep going. And I even, I was coaching basketball the last day, and uh, the father said to me, he worked with an Irish person gardening. And he was like, I've never seen someone work that hard. So now he's going to start employing more Irish people because <laughs> they seem to just work as hard as they can. So I think it's just an Irish thing. But, um, yeah, you know, opportunities in Kerry aren't the biggest. Like, you can't go professional in Ireland unless you go into rugby or horse racing or something like that. Um, so, yeah, we know what we have to do to get where we need to go. Yeah, and I think it's definitely helped us get into the game. I think we've both shocked ourselves in terms of how... Maybe not the first month or two, but after that, how quickly we picked it up. And I think that probably wouldn't have came if we hadn't spent so much time looking at it and really getting into the nits and bits of it all. And do you think that then you've just touched on, if people are to go pro in Kerry, it'll be other sports, but there's so many people playing football. Did you almost have the mentality that if we're going to be pros here, we need to work harder than everybody at home? Um, I think... Like, it didn't come naturally, but we just like to do this. Like, even when we were back in Ireland, we always pushed each other. We were always training together. So it's been something that we've been consistently doing since we were young. Um, so it wasn't really a big leap, but I think we're both very competitive in the way that we want to be better than everybody else. So I looked at the people that were older than me. Like, I came into the Kerry team last year, for my first year, and I was like, okay, who do I need to target and get better than them? So, yeah, it's been something we've both yeah, been doing. We kind of pick the best person in the room mentality and try and beat them, I suppose, whichever. Did she come as a package deal? Like, did she write <laughs> no, it into no, the no. contract? It's <laughs> like, I'm only going if Ferris goes, I'm only going if Julie goes. No, no, we we could have ended up at different places, but I think the Swans really just sold it bo- to both of us when, when we had our meetings with them. I think it was a no-brainer when we had meetings with other clubs and with the Swans, we just... Loved what Kate and Scott had to say, really. Yeah, they were absolutely fantastic. But then they loved our mentality. And they were like, okay, well, Paris, you have this. And so does Julie. So it was like, why would you take one when you can take both? And like even Julie in the backs, she's been fantastic all year. And that's her first year. So imagine a couple of years down the road. So it was great that they did take both of us. Because, you know, we do everything together. We come in every single day. So it's nice to have someone that pushes you. It's like having a twin. They like mentioned um, when we got here that they thought we kind of drove standards and I guess one person can do um, by themselves but when a collective group comes together I think that's when things start to change so I think we might 
Dublin clubs in that shirt. Were you aware that you were the first two from Kerry to come out for the AFLW? Was it something that you were aware of? And was yeah. did it almost give you a want to succeed even more for Kerry? Like we were, we were aware that we were the first. You know, we would have watched the games, the years prior on TG Cahar and things like that, and watched the girls coming out. But um, yeah, we were aware of it, but I don't think it really had much of an impact. It was more of a individual step that we just wanted to take becoming professional athletes yeah did the swans use the Kerry connection to their advantage at all in trying to get you out did you speak to Tyg at all like we were just talking about it last night we haven't even met Tyg like we haven't <laughs> had a conversation with him so no it wasn't um through him it was just through the swans themselves uh but yeah, we hope to meet him yeah we met the man that brought him out here last night so yeah that's a step towards it as <laughs> well did it come into your heads at all, or did it just seem like, okay, the Swans seem like they're going places and it seems like the right fit for us because they want us? Is that one of the reasons that you came out? Yeah, I guess so. Like, even when I was deciding to come here, my parents were like, okay, now you need to look at the fact that, you know, they're 18th on the ladder. And I was like, yeah, I get that, but I could feel something from Kate and Scott being like, we're going to go somewhere. Um, So it was just that feeling that made me just want to go to the Swans and they're absolutely fantastic coaches like you look at our facilities yeah it, everything about the Swans is just it's amazing and like you're in the middle of Sydney like the weather's fantastic whereas down in Melbourne it's like being back in Ireland it's like <laughs> raining one second it's freezing the next and then it's sunny um so yeah yeah I think initially when we spoke to them they would have spoke a lot about their game plan which when we were talking to them then we had no idea what they were talking about but I think they still really portrayed what it was that they wanted to build as a team. And there, as you see, like from our facilities, it's really easy under the one roof with the men um, to be integrated. And they really push for that. So when you're trying to push for the same standards as the men, that just shows how much you want it, I think. And why would you not want to come in here in your off-season <laughs> as well? Like, I'd be in here more than noon and night, I would say. Like, it's unbelievable. <laughs> they <laughs> always give yeah. out to us. We come in, they're like, you're here again. Yeah, like yeah. At the beginning, they were asking us, "Oh, do you just sleep here? What's the story?" <laughs> but yeah, we had so much to learn, and they were telling us, "Oh, go home and go do something somewhere else. You'll be bored of it by the time ac- the actual season starts." But no, I don't think you can ever get bored of this, and you walk in here, it's incredible. It's probably a case as well that it's still quite novel for you, given that it's your first year, and given that. Coming over from Ireland, obviously, in the GA, the facilities, in, in nothing are the facilities like this, no sport. So maybe it's a bit more normal for the Australian players and they just expect it, whereas you guys are a little bit more grateful for it because you haven't had it before. Yeah, well, I suppose when you have the Matilda soccer team coming in and using your facilities during the World Cup and they're shocked by it, I think that says enough, really. You know. But even, like, I was just thinking there that we have our gym in here, we have a field, we have recovery... It's it's crazy because even in my town, if I went to the Riyuk to where the gym is, okay, where am I going to go for an ice bath? Okay, I'd have to go to Tralee. Everything's scattered, um, which I suppose is it's tough. But when you have everything in front of you, you can just go and do it. But yeah, I think that's expected by the Australians that they'll have facilities like this. But this is like something out of the world to us. Do you think that that's led to you guys? improving significantly as athletes because there's less barriers to 
go to the gym, go get the pitch, the running in, and get the recovery in afterwards? Has that made you excel a little bit quicker? Yeah, I think 100%. I think, like, even the girls on the team that still work part-time jobs, they've come in here, and if it's online, they can come in, and, you know, then you're getting your gym session in, or you're going down and getting your extra bit of recovery, whatever it is. Like, once you're in the building, you kind of feel obliged to do all the steps through before you leave again. And, you know, every bit helps the one percenters that they all add up and definitely lead to success, I think. Was it in any way daunting coming over or did you kind of just take it in your stride? And did it make it easier that the two of you were doing it together? Yeah, um, I think we didn't really have any expectations. Everyone asked, oh, was this what you expected? And I said, to be honest, I didn't really think of it before I came. And I think we both worked so hard at home to make sure we wouldn't be off the standard and when we got here we kind of were absolutely <laughs> funny story so they gave us runs and stuff to do back in Ireland and we would do them together we were going like a hundred percent and like proper going at it got here and they were all like running them um which was the way you were supposed to do it but we were like we were throwing up while we were doing these <laughs> runs and we we're like we're not going to be fit enough and we came and we were like oh my god we had been doing the absolute the wrong thing yeah. so like it was a bit daunting because we didn't know exactly how to play like even at home it's not really taught properly we might have had a session going through stuff but it's completely different to what you actually learn when you come here so the good thing about it is when we go home this time we'll actually have a plan of what we're going to practice and how you're supposed to kick handball everything um but yeah i think we were just both excited to come over don't think we really slept on the plane. Um, I think when when they started talking to us on online calls and they started using their wording for certain terms in the game, that might have been a bit daunting when we had no idea what they were even saying to us in English. Yeah. So the day we arrived, um, the girls were playing against Brisbane in like a challenge game, and uh, we went to it, had no idea what anything meant, and we were like looking at each other we're screwed we didn't know if we'd be able to catch on to it at all um so it's crazy how far we've came since that day yeah i think i watched it on tv for the like f- maybe three or four years before coming out here and you just don't see half of what actually goes on on the field through the camera and we, like it's following the ball like we didn't even know how the rotations worked that you can just run on and on off whenever you want and things like that we had no idea so did you think coming over that the major challenge was going to be physical. And then it turned out that that was what you found the easiest, whereas the tactical <laughs> was what you found the hardest. Yeah, it's like I think we were both excited for um, the physicality. But um, yeah, that was the earliest thing we had to worry about. It was tactical. Yeah. There's so much to learn. There's so much words they use and terms. Um the most I've seen in, in any sport so far um, so it was definitely something new yeah I mean as soon as I told my parents that I was coming out here my mom said to me oh that'll suit you down to the ground you always get yellow carded <laughs> in the GAA so she she thought I'd be fine suited to it but yeah it, it was definitely a worry before coming out but when we came out I think once you're playing the game you don't take any notice of any physicality really and you might have a few bruises afterwards but definitely not during the game anyway so yeah the technical side of things was definitely the You'd be dishing out more bruises than you'd be getting, Julie, I'd say. Um, That's funny because I think... So I did a bit of work with Lauren McGee before she came out. And obviously, from my background, it was mainly conditioning-focused. And 
she wanted to be smashed like and that's what I did like we we smashed her we did loads of tempos loads of multi-directional tempo running um lots of speed work lots of change of direction work and then she was obviously doing the technical side of it like you were with Mike as well so we have the technical and the physical covered at home but there's not enough players to go at the tactical so it's probably a steep learning curve when you come out how did you find best to get into the swing of things was it sit up the front of the class and ask as many questions as possible yeah I think the fir- like the first day like Parsha said we landed and we were straight into watching the girls play and one of the girls Cynthia Hamilton was on the sideline with her and I'd say we didn't stop talking to her for the whole game asking her questions every two seconds but also the girls were so good to us um they literally helped us with everything where to stand what to do which way it was going I remember our first training session and uh, we got thrown in straight away and um, I ended up at the start of the line and I was like oh god so I kept trying to go back in the line and they kept putting me back in the front sure I had no idea what I was doing um, but yeah I think even with the tactical side back at home you don't realize until you come here how different it actually is and it's like I think you'd have to go through someone that's played like course Daunton or someone to actually understand like Lauren would know now, like talking to other girls who might be interested, what you need to do and what you need to learn before coming. I think Cora is not probably the best person to ask though, because she's such a natural player that she probably is just like, oh, just get the ball and kick it through the post. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she probably doesn't have any tactical sides to it. Just, she just Simple. It. Yeah. When you're at that level though, like, I suppose you don't think about things as much. They're more instinctive because mm-hmm. it's not as conscious. Like it might be like, David Clifford or, or Louise playing like yep. it's completely off instinct. It's just they sniff a bit of a space or a bit of a gap to get the ball and then they finish it and it's they're not even thinking about it. Whereas maybe as a back, you actually have to think about what the forward is yeah. doing a little bit more. Um, but maybe in the forward line, similarly, like you have to think about how you're going to beat a good back and how you're going to create space There's for a yourself. Of, a lot of working to make space for other players I think in the whole it's not just you know an individual game really. Oh here yeah, yeah it's all about getting people free there's tons of um different it's kind of like basketball in a sense but a rotation on the field and how they move and where the ball is where the forwards are going to be and um where they're expected to be so like if you're looking up at, um from the mids you already know where your forwards going to be but they're always trying to free each other they're always blocking and stuff which doesn't necessarily happen in Gaelic football it's kind of like you make a run and it's boom here it's very different because obviously you can get tackled there's a lot of screens yeah, and a l- yeah like similar to well actually some teams in Gaelic football do like I remember Mayo used to do it a lot with yeah. Killian O'Connor and, and Andy Moore and uh, use a screen really really effectively whether it's allowed or not <laughs> is another <laughs> thing but so are you saying that the midfield essentially is kind of like the top of the D in basketball and mm, the point they're your point guard <laughs> yeah. and then how many inside and then who's in the post is it like a rotation Ki- like a pendulum of, um it's just kind of yeah it's just you you're kind of moving with the direction of the ball and you're setting up um in those places but similar enough to basketball i thought it was the closest thing to it i think it's similar in the sense that um, certain players called small forwards or key forwards and key forwards are your tall players um, you'd always have a certain amount and depending on what play you're trying to do you'd have 
in certain positions, which you'd yeah. never think about in Gaelic. Like, you'd put the tall person in full forward, <laughs> maybe, mm. if you wanted to try something, a high ball in or something. But I think it's like basketball in that sense that you Very have your specific players in certain positions. Yeah. Is there more or less comms than in Gaelic? Way more? Is it similar to basketball in that regard and like yeah. your call and plays yeah. and stuff? Yes, yeah, definitely. You're always talking to each other. You're always like saying to Julie, she'll be talking to me from the backs yeah. and then I'll be talking to whoever's in front of me. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, like there's stoppages as well in um, the AFL. So you need to talk about where you're going to stand. And like it might be for one team, you're doing something different to the next team. So we just have to talk a lot. For, for a lot of people watching back home in Ireland, they probably think, oh, it's a lot of people chasing the ball. But in reality, it's not like, even in the backs, when, when the ball goes up into your forward line, you set up into a certain position. And if it goes to a certain side, you have to go somewhere specific. And there's all these different things. Whereas in Gaelic, you just stand next to your player, essentially. And if you get to go forward, you get to go forward. But yeah, it's very technical. And you don't see that side of things until you start playing it, really. Is the communication hard to maintain given the running demands? I think it's more the physical with the running. It's like you c- we could play the sport all day if we didn't run or if we didn't get tackled um, with the stoppages. Like you get that extra break, that extra 10 seconds or so while they're throwing up the ball. And But it's the physical side of things when you just get taken out and you have to get up and chase your player again. That's when it gets tough to talk, I think. <laughs> People start to go a bit quiet, but we really try and bring it in training, I think. Yeah, the girls that don't get too happy like if it goes quiet and yeah, they never really allow that so that it never happens in a game since then. If you went back playing football now at home, do you think you'd talk more than you did when you left? I think probably I think yes. so, yeah. I think we'd do a lot of different I'd say I'd start marking the ball thinking I can <laughs> go back and stuff. We were, t- we were talking about that the last day, it'd be interesting to just go back right into it and see if we do anything that we shouldn't be I doing. I'd probably be getting a few more yellow cards again. Right, I'd say. <laughs> well, yeah. you, you got in trouble one week, was it this, this last season? Last game, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did. And <laughs> was that just a case of you've got so accustomed to playing AFL that you went a little bit too helpful later? Um, it was kind of more situational, just where my body position was. I, You're not allowed to essentially dump people on their heads, and the way I kind of brought her down, she did land on her head, so yeah, I was... I was a bit unlucky in it. Um, you're supposed to lo- uh, like allow them to release their hands so they can catch themselves when they've lost the ball. But it's very hard to tell when someone's lost the ball mm. when they're facing the opposite direction from me. But they took that the into account as well, didn't they? They, they did, were like, yeah, Julie's usually good. It's their first offence. Yeah. We'll let her off. Yeah, like. so not, not too heavy of a fine. But <laughs> you think that tenacity has added to your game coming out? Yeah, I think you have to bring it. I think if you shy away any bit, you'll just get crushed, to be honest with you. You have to... At least know, at least be confident or look confident in what you're doing. It helps. It goes a long way. In terms of transfer skills, what do you think has led you to be successful out here that you've taken from football or from basketball as well? I think the pace we play. Um, for Irish people, we play very fast usually, and I think that has been our biggest attribute to the team that we just move the ball very fast. And it's great that you know you have Tanya Kennedy on the team as well. So there's nearly someone in every position to to play off. You could literally get Julie to handball to Tanya, Tanya to handball to me, and yeah, score. But um, I think towards the end of the season, we kind of brought it in a bit more when we got more confident at the beginning. We kind of set up in their system and things like that. But 
as the season got went on, we got a bit more confident and we started to bring our kind of fast play handball receives into the game. And yeah, hopefully we can do a bit more of that next year. We'll, we'll be more confident. If you reflect on the start of the year and how you were playing towards the end, then was there a big change? Like, were you more standoffish at the start? Oh, one hundred percent. I think at the start, what were we? Maybe two weeks here, and we had a challenge game, and I, I remember thinking, I don't even know why I played in this because I basically spent the whole game standing in the one spot watching what was happening, like not even playing the game really. Um, but yeah, towards the end of the year, I think each game I played, I improved and let's say the same about Paris and we both just got more confident and the girls got more confident you know with passing us the ball and just working with us and um, you know like being confident that I'd stick a tackle in the backs if I was last resort and things like that. Have you spoken to any of the girls in Melbourne about what it's like in your second and third seasons as compared to your first? Yeah, we were we caught up with Aaron Fitzpatrick and Erica O'Shea last week. We were down in Melbourne, and this is Erica's second year, and I think she was just so much happier this year. She really felt like um, she had made her position in in the team. I think she was just really confident with that, and yeah, I think she has a bright future ahead of her now. She kind of knows where she stands, and she can keep pushing on from that. Like we can go home now in the off season and actually practice something, whereas before we came out here, we we were at home and we really couldn't do anything, only <laughs> handball, and, puke. handball <laughs> and then come out here and find out we were doing it wrong at yeah, home. <laughs> handballing it the wrong way. Yeah. And then we, when we started doing it right, we had bruises all over our hand and our foot because yeah. it was just different areas of kicking and, and passing and stuff. So, yeah. so many kicks a day. <laughs> yeah. So was pre-season probably one of the toughest pre-seasons that you've done when you came out here in terms of maybe not the physical requirements and the running but in terms of like the sheer volume of stuff that you had to do and learn yeah there was definitely a like a philosophy behind everything whereas back in Ireland we were doing runs and you were like going 100% and this is like even with Kerry you did these runs but you were just doing those but here it's like they're so different we do different types of them longer ones shorter ones but it's so that we can have that aerobic like capacity to run a game out um and obviously it's a longer game here too uh so yeah it was definitely very different I don't know if it was the hardest because obviously it was always 100% sprints in Ireland but um <laughs> here it was definitely longer amounts uh like I so there was one week I was out because I was after um hyperextending my knee and I came back and I uh, had like 32 100 meter runs to do um, in a session, <laughs> so yeah, it's but it's, it's not like volume. yeah, 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 it's tempo. But um, yeah, so I think the preseason, I think it really just passed us by. I think we were constantly looking forward to the to the next thing or to win round one, and then when we got to round one, we were looking forward to the next game. You know, and with games consecutive consecutively each week, I think it just goes so fast. And like definitely in preseason, we found it tougher the first month I suppose or maybe two I think we definitely sat here thinking like oh will we ever catch on will we ever know what they're talking about but yeah once once we kind of got the hang of it it really just flew by really yeah I remember talking to I can't remember if it was Orla or Ashling about the length of the season and that's new for footballers and for basketball players as well like 11 rounds like 
if you're in Kerry, you'd be playing 40 matches in a year. Like, Yeah. Does I, it feel like there's way more weight on the games than at home? Because yeah. there's so few. Yeah, I think yeah. when you know you only have a certain amount of games to perform and to show yourself for next year, um, I think it does come down to keeping yourself fit and making sure your injury, you're not getting injuries, I suppose, and... You know, like if you think you are, then it's ruining you out for a certain amount of games, and that impacts your 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 next year here. So, yeah, it's definitely tougher when there's less games. But we had a lot of challenge games, and um, we have people called train ons that come in and we play against them. And yeah, I suppose you do have a lot of game like settings when you're training every day and things like that. But it's it's definitely not the same to home when you have. Like you said, 40 games with the league and championship. Yeah, but I think I liked the fact that it was every weekend, which is something like in Ireland might have been maybe two or so, yeah, yeah. which is, but I preferred it being back to back. But there is definitely um, a sense of like in more importance to it because it was like, okay, this week's over, we're straight into the next game. Um, so you always had to be screwed on and ready for the next thing. So was it hard then sitting out? With injury or if you weren't in the squad, like, to watch it because you knew, like, oh, we've only, like, four or five games left and I want to play so badly. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, trying to get back into a team as well that might be working, um, that's obviously tough, so you just have to keep pushing. Uh, and everyone wants to play. Um, so, yeah, like, even that week I was out, they played down in Perth and I was up here watching the game. And um, if they won, we were going into the first, like, prelim finals and stuff. So yeah, I nobody was at home understands any of the no. games. <laughs> yeah, the quarter, yeah. quarter final. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's like two semi-finals too, yeah. and it's like, huh? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was tough to watch from up here because obviously you just want to be in playing. So yeah, I just had to get myself back for the next game. Yeah. It gave you a, a bit of motivation though for the next week training to get back oh, in. Oh like. yeah, like when they were down in Perth, I was training here and like. You take for granted what the rehab girls do. Their training is intense. Yeah. It's yeah, it's probably the hardest trainings I've probably done. Um, so yeah, doing that, I knew I was going to be ready. Um, so I just had to keep chipping while everyone else was down there and just get myself right. Yeah, even with um, like what I said about the positional stuff with your key forwards and small forwards, and sometimes they just like to play specific players just because it suits the system. The mm-hmm. style, yeah. Yeah, you know, the teams. which would never happen at home. Like, you just play your best <laughs> players. Um, but I think that was something that kind of worked in our favour at times because they just wanted to put out the most hard-working teams and they said it to us. They were like, you definitely aren't the most skillful on the team. Like, we have <laughs> girls here who have played football all their lives here. Yeah. And we completely agreed with them. Like, but yeah. just our hard work sometimes They're very just got us there. Very transparent with us that, you yeah. know, we're not there with skills yet. So yeah. we have to keep going. Um I'd say until we retire, we yeah. still won't be. Which <laughs> probably explains why we're still in here every day in the office. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it'll definitely benefit us in the long run. Yeah, but we have great connection with Scott, our head coach. And like we even go over for dinner at his and stuff. And it's great to have a connection with a coach that cares so much about the game. And like he pushes up, pushes us and he can say what he needs to say to us Sometimes. straight up. Yeah. Um, which is great because obviously it might be like, oh, Come on. But then you just go out and do it because you want to make him proud. Um, so, yeah, he's great. That's interesting. Has there been any noticeable change in the style of management or coaching as opposed to at home? Like you said, they're very transparent here. 
I would have imagined they would be very transparent in GA as well uh, and in definitely in America as well. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more of a personal thing with Scotty, I think, because that's just his personality, really. Like, I think we just got lucky in that sense. Like, that's the type of person we want over us. Like, that will just tell us how it is and tell you what you need to get better at. You know, there's no point in having someone that's telling you you're great every day. That just doesn't yeah. benefit you. He's always, like, there's no limit to what we can achieve. And, like, even Chloe Malloy, who's one of the best players in the AFLW, even says that, you know, she has stuff to improve on the whole time. So he's always keeping us grounded and showing how much, like, road in front of us we can chip at. Um, so, yeah. Like, back at home, though, it's like... We're not at that level where they can be like they can tell you, yeah, you can work on this and that, but it's not every week or after every game. Like you don't sit down and watch the game with the coach and be like, they're gonna tell you, okay, next time you need to do this or that. Whereas here, it's very technical in that sense. Where after every game, we're watching the vision with the coaches, seeing what we can improve on. Yeah, that's where the professional side of things comes into it, I think. And they just have more time here, essentially. Like you can't. You travel to carry training and, you know, you train for the couple of hours and you go home after that. But here you have your training and you have the whole day to do it. Like, nobody has their job that they have to run off, off to, essentially. Whereas at home you have a full-time job and everyone does. And that's just the way it is. But, yeah, time is definitely on our side here. And you can sit down, like Paris said, watch a whole game back and pick out every single thing you did wrong and right. And that's really it what... Sounds like you're doing that as well. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you're there every day. Sometimes yeah. we might be too, too hard on ourselves, but, uh, yeah. We get better. No, it's time is time is definitely the difference, yeah. But that's why you're successful is because you're always trying to be better and trying to iron out your weaknesses and maybe harness your strengths a little bit. But like you, you touched on Chloe Malloy there mm-hmm. and like she has weaknesses as well, like everybody does. Like if you're gonna be a professional athlete or an elite athlete, you're gonna have two skills or qualities that you're up in the elite bracket in terms of are you aware of what they are for yourselves or are you so hard on yourselves that you're not able to put your finger on it and then I thought I'd flip it if you weren't able to say it yourselves and say do you know what Julie's are Paris and do you know what Paris's are Julie um we kind of read this question and we kind of thought oh it's a hard one to answer like you said you don't really think about it in terms of yourself maybe it's easier to ask someone else and that's what we get from the coaches is it's like your positives and nev- negatives for everything um, but for Paris definitely like her IQ around the game and her running ability would have been her main things that would have drove her and made her position in the team I suppose De- definitely her running in the wing like <laughs> <laughs> if you if you know the wing position here at all it's it's um, a tankless position really you just spend all day running up and down and you might not touch the ball for the whole game, but yeah, that's that's her role in the team and yeah, that's definitely something she's good at. Yeah. Then with Julie, um, like her positioning, body positioning, um, in the backs, uh, when a ball is coming in, she's very good at reading the ball and she always somehow spoils it. Um so yeah, her physicality there too on a one v one contest is just fantastic. And I think if we all could have that we'd be sailing. And then, um, what else? Hmm. Now she's a fantastic runner too. She is. She could play in the wing if she wanted to. Um, so 
or anywhere. She could kick some goals if she wanted to too. Literally just put her anywhere and she'd be able to do it. So I think being a versatile player like she is is definitely a big strength of hers. I think both of those things, the running ability and the ability <laughs> to spoil, were on show when was it Ashing was true on goal in yes. the first or second round and Ashing. you ran yeah. through and yeah, so spoiled it somehow. Not a lot of people know what happened with that one. They actually made a rotation. One of the backs came running off the field. So with rotations, you essentially come off whenever you want. Um, so one of the backs came running off and next thing the ball's coming down the field and I had to run from our, from our bench onto the field and all I can hear is Colin O'Reardon on the sideline shouting, go to goal, run. So I just rented, I I didn't never think I was going to make it. I didn't. Probably like yeah. 100 metres you <laughs> had to run. <laughs> I don't think I ever ran so much in a game, to be honest. But yeah, I somehow made it back and smothered it. They call it blocking, smothering here. Um, but yeah, Scotty said to me after the game, he said, if you do nothing else for the year, that's that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he was happy enough with that one. Class. Ashley wasn't happy with it, I'd no, say. No, she definitely wasn't. Raging. She had a little shove out <laughs> over the sideline for me after. <laughs> um, it's funny, like, obviously you're able to talk about the moments that you've done really well like that quite openly, but when Paris started talking about your strengths, you, you got a bit bashful and a bit shy and it <laughs> seemed like you weren't that comfortable. You've said that you're, you can be quite hard on yourselves and when I asked you to name your own strengths you were kind of like oh god <laughs> if i asked you to do the same thing for weaknesses would they come to your heads way quicker yeah i'm sure they would definitely in the first month when we were here we could have had a long list of them and we didn't understand what was going on at all yeah i think even for me anyway i know that my weakness would be um kicking still because i like to curve kick kick around the yeah corner, with yeah. the hip whereas like for us on the swans um, they don't want us to just be known as Irish players. They want us to be very skillful players. So it might be fine for other Irish to do that, but we have to do it. Like we have to learn from base and become very good um, at just how they kick. So yeah, it's tough sometimes. I think every single week I kick the ball differently. Um, so it's about getting that consistent consistency. Um, but yeah, for me that would probably be something I really want to work on the off season and then. Um, just reading the ball better before it gets to places um, is still something I'd like to improve on. Yeah, I'd say for me, like I I love the physicality and things like that, but my body work could definitely do with a bit of work. Like um, essentially when like a high ball is coming in and last second they can just push you on the shoulder onto the ground. <laughs> I haven't quite mastered that side of things yet. You know, like you could never do that in Gaelic football. It would just be a push straight away and a free out. Like. So just the cleverness of the girls that have played all their lives and they know exactly what to do when the ball is just above their head. And the thing yeah. is, though, you'd forget that, like, 19, 21, mm. that we have so much time to develop that. But we look at it right now and be like, need to get that done right now. But it's just like Gaelic football. It didn't all come in just the first year that we played. Um, so I think we sometimes have to realise that we don't have to be so hard on ourselves when we just learned a new sport. Yeah, but I think it's it's a strength and a weakness in yep. that like he can feel like he don't have it, any of it grasped yet, mm -hmm. but it'll also push you on to grasp it quite quickly, and it's probably why you've opened so successful in year one because you've had that mentality of no, I need to learn it and right know how up. to do it now. Yeah, 
impact that comes with the facilities again we come in here to practice that one thing and all of a sudden we end up in the gym and in the recovery I know and you get everything done and you know like I said earlier it's all those one percenters so like just coming in here alone to do one thing leads to several other benefits really I want to touch on the kicking that you're speaking about a second ago because when you're getting reps in in terms of kicking and I'm sure you're doing it together are you often trying to just kick the perfect bug kick into each other's bread basket time and time again because when you're watching from the outside it seems like there's such a variance of kicks Mm -hmm. that are executed throughout the game like obviously a bit of a temporary connection but like anytime I see Orla or Ashley Maloney score a goal it seems like they kick it a different way every time in open play it's only the same kick if it's from a mark almost I think sometimes in open play when you get towards goal some people <laughs> just <laughs> throw the boot at it literally and just Hope have a crest really. <laughs> sometimes like you never know what's going to happen with the over, oval ball and yeah, everyone takes anyway. the chance you know you just have to take that chance when you get near the goal so no but when you're further down the field and you're just trying to work the ball up yeah um, in whatever format they want you to do it like the kicks do matter and you can't just throw it and if you yeah. do like it probably ends up being a turnover and you've just you'll see it on your vision then the next day so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that happens a lot in the games because we've been watching obviously the games on tg Cahar over the last few months and some games it can be real it can look really nice and it can be like both teams working the ball up the field really really well kicks going to hand all the time loads of marks and in other games it's just like turnover 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 yeah. turnover so what so that comes down to is pressure so they measure basically everything here and they have a pressure factor and you can see each team has a certain amount so whoever you're coming up against you'll know whether you're going to be able to do that or not so brisbane just won final and they're a really high pressure team but anyone that came up against them no matter how good of kickers they had they just wouldn't be able to execute yeah. it properly yeah. it's just not possible when they it's just like running straight at you blocking anytime you get on the ball you're tackled straight away and you just can't play that nice football that you like to see which you can do against other teams that don't bring that pressure it's just like um like even for us we played fast and we started developing that more as the season went on but then you come up against Adelaide and you just can't do that because they're taller than us. They're, you know, they've been playing for the last eight years. They've been there, um. So then that's when you have to slow it down and safer options and work it down. Um, which, yeah, it's probably more difficult, but you have to be good at both. Yeah, they have like certain names for certain parts of the field as well. So like different teams would like to use different areas, like say going down the middle or going sideline and things like that so it just depends on what team you're watching certain teams like to use that kick a lot or other teams just like to kick the long ball down the sideline to their tall player so that's when you see the different nice kicks or not <laughs> is there a club playing philosophy or is your playing philosophy very distinct from say the men's side because i know that the men's side have a heavy emphasis on applying pressure other teams um, we are working towards trying to be similar enough to the men like bring that same type of pressure we're yeah quite a high pressure team ourselves we're I think y- really high yeah we're pretty pretty good at um our intensity I, th- I think because we're so integrated with the men's you'd often get scotty going over to the men's coach john and like just getting his opinion on anything and, like scotty has a lot of experience himself but i just think when you see something being successful like it is in the men's team why wouldn't you want to use it like so yeah, they definitely are similar. I think we are just trying to build 
the caliber of players to suit that type of play. But the one thing you can't train is height, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> so um, potentially you play with what your utilities are at your disposal. And since you're quick and fast, that's probably why you play quick and fast yeah. and try to go around the bigger girls like at Brisbane. Um, but obviously, if they try to drag you into an encounter where you're going to play a physical game that's built on high kicks and built on pressure, it's going to be difficult. But it doesn't mean it's going to be impossible, I guess. And that's what you're working towards. But in relation to acquiring players, then, is there a draft system in the female game as well as the male? Yeah. And then, do, because uh, there's heaps of you out here at the moment, do you see more girls coming over in the next couple of years um, or do you, from Ireland? We were actually talking about this the other day. We're not. Like, definitely there will be more. There will be definitely talent to come, and there's girls looking to come, and then why wouldn't they? And we'll see what the opportunity looks like. But um, I'm not too sure that you can fill a team with Irish. Yeah. You still have to have your Australian players. You didn't play. mean that, Julie. No, but like, <laughs> I know. essentially, a lot of teams have Irish already, and like, I think a couple of Irish in a team is enough, and I think the girls think it too. Yeah, um, it's hard enough. I think the girls spent a lot of time teaching us the game, and it's getting harder gotcha. when the when the standards rising. There are teams still without Irish, so potentially they'll pick a few up. around like two teams. Yeah. So, yeah, I think with the standard going up, and I think it might be hard in the future because like you can't just keep taking more and more and more people in. Um, uh, so I think yeah it might be more difficult I know people will want to come and there might be I could be wrong but um, it'll be exciting yeah. exciting to see I love seeing Irish coming out and seeing how they get on and seeing like we said about Cora whether they go down her path and kind of take the game on their own way or they have to do what we did and really work into the system of the team it's, it's interesting to see and I'm excited to see yeah. I get exactly what you mean as well in terms of if there's too many Irish in the team, yeah, who who's going to tell you yeah. what to do? Like, uh, you know, who am I going to learn from? We did say the other day, like, it'd be so interesting if all 33 of us that are out here right now formed a team and we end up against That's what I was going to ask. I, I reckon we'd have a fair crack at it, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would be interesting. We probably wouldn't play very like um, Australian football. It'd probably be more gay, like very fast-paced to the Aussie rules. But, yeah. Because the last time they played the uh, International Rules Series was twenty. 13 or 12, I 12 think. 12, maybe. Back yeah. then. <laughs> Years ago for you, because you're yeah. so young. Do you, can you remember that? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I remember. I think they lost. Ireland lost. Yeah, yeah the Mick last Davis time. Davis here, our coach, and our mid's coach, he played, he played, in, he played with the Swans back in his day. So I think they get good attendances at that if they yeah. were to run it. Because oh, yeah. like, yeah. there's so many Irish in the country at the moment as well. Like, And I would imagine that a lot of them come to support G. Yeah. Given that the Swans are the best supported in the competition this year in terms of attendances, our media had an idea to create a, like an Irish round here in Sydney. So we had a home game for round four, and it's the amount packed. of people it drew. So like we have the highest attendant games in all of the AFLW, and I'd say the Irish are co definitely contributing to that. Like after round four, it was a great idea, and yeah, you often see the Irish flag on the sidelines, and you have no idea who it is, but they're still coming to support you. Has it been similar to home in terms of the fan base then and the support that you've got? Like Because obviously yeah. Kerry are very well supported as well. Yeah. I think Irish supporters are the best. And like I said, so many come to our games. And 
Yeah, you just go over and speak <coughs> to them and they have no reason to be there, but they still show up, I think. Um, yeah, maybe the fact that games are on every weekend, just hearing things like this makes it easier to get to, like we have bigger crowds. You'd never get 6,000 at a normal National League game at home and things like that. But um, I think we had a great fan base at All-Ireland last year. At our one? That Two years ago. 56,000. 56, so like yeah. that's huge. They only had 12,000 at the grand final this year. Now it was at a capped stadium. They couldn't fit any more in. So, um, but yeah, it's still huge numbers and great support. The idea of the capped stadium was obviously to try to create a full atmosphere. atmosphere like yeah. I, th- I don't think they expected it, really. Um, I think next year they'll pu- push for a bigger stadium. Bigger stadium, yeah. Because some of the stadiums are absolutely massive yeah. that you're playing yeah. in. Like, does and it, it feel like? <laughs> yeah, but does it feel like there's just an incredible amount of space when you're out there then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or does it feel like especially girls are on top of you? Like, there's not um, as much space as you'd like. In the Gold Coast, they play in a stadium, and that field feels like it's the biggest one. Um, I like it because it feels like there's tons of space. But then if you went to say. North Sydney Oval, which is a much smaller field, it feels very compact, and it feels like like the stadium is on top of you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just actually crazy. They have like different sized grounds everywhere, yeah. so you actually have to change your game plan at times depending on on what field you're playing on. Which is weird because yeah. like you think you'd have a standard size field, but yeah. no. But everybody says that about Crow Park as well. Is <laughs> that like the field seems massive, even yeah. though yes. it's the same size as? Yeah. I think probably something that nobody's really played in stands like Crow Park really when they get to that at home but yeah no Crow Park is definitely intimidating mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah has it been tough or was it tough to watch the girls on their journey this year when you were out here um it was I guess you always want them to do their best like um and and all Ireland is definitely in in the bag for Kerry and they're hoping to get it whenever they can and they're really working towards it so yeah it's tough to watch but You'd hope they'd get it. Yeah, I think it's always um, about you know not being complacent and like they had a great run, but it's about okay, how are we gonna do that? Like you know, keeping grounded and just you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so hopefully next year they can keep pushing. But yeah, obviously it was tough, but you, like you make a decision and you can't dwell on what you didn't decide on, and you know you wish them the best of luck. But um, you know we're doing our thing, they're doing theirs, so. We just bought one success for each other, and it sounds like I'm in a relationship the way I'm saying that. <laughs> <laughs> You're broken up. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, definitely though. No, yeah, but um, hopefully in the future. Um, but yeah, it would be nice to see, you know, Louise, Caught Lynch, Lorraine Scanlon, all those people at Emma Sherwood get what they deserve yeah. because, you know, they're fantastic players. Like, we can't say that we didn't love playing with Kerry. Um, and obviously, you know, it was tough not being there with them. Um, but, yeah, it's just, again, it's just we had to be out here for pre-season. Um, so, yeah. And obviously, as you said, you want the best for them and you want them to win. Like, you're in a relationship. <laughs> but do you think it almost would have been tougher in the moment to watch them win it when you're out here? Or have you made peace with the fact that I'm not part of the squad anymore? I'm out here. I'm doing my own thing. Yeah, no. We're both happy enough where we are. I would have loved them for them to have won in Ireland. I think, like Paris said, the girls definitely deserve it. They've put in that work over the years. So, yeah. But I think it's probably even sweeter now that say next year if they go again that they can, they can win. They've 
you know, it's been two years now where they've been in a final, maybe third time lucky. But it's not even going to be luck. I think they'll go out and just give it everything. And I think it's just about learning about what last year, like learn stuff from it, maybe go back, like visualise it, look at it and be like, okay, what can we do this year that's going to make it different from last year? And um, yeah, just again, not to get complacent, just continue to go and go until the end. Was it hard to leave after the league? Um, I actually didn't really play much um, that year. I had a stress fracture in my hip, so I wasn't overly involved in the team. So no, I think was the stress fracture completely healed by the time you came out? Yeah, completely. Yeah, I was able to play the first six six weeks okay, but I just that's didn't get again. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I knew you were in, in the squad. The Swans were obviously aware of the injury coming out. Yeah, well, it was completely healed before yeah. I even started talking to them. So. But then you see things happen, like what happened to Jenny. Like that's yeah. obviously a freak accident and incredibly tough for her. Has that been tough to watch for you guys? Like because there almost nearly could be like a a sense of guilt around. I've come out and I've succeeded so yeah. much. Like and then this girl who's come out and is just as good as me has had this unfortunate thing happen to her and it's not her fault at all. Yeah, I think it's like we have like a little Irish family here and it's obviously, you know, hard to see someone go through something like that. And, um, you know, she works so hard and, you know, life can be unfair at times and it's just you can't control that. Um, but I always think that there's something bigger in the future than what happens now. And, yeah, um. It was just tough to see because, you know, you'd hope everyone would get an opportunity to play. Um, yeah. Jenny's not really the type to think about herself anyway, so mm-hmm. you'd never really dwell too long on the conversation with her and she'd always move on to what's next. Yeah, she'd be, like, talking just one second about it and next, OK, I must go off and do my gym now. Yeah, she's you know, in, she's straight she's in on. here every day as well. Yeah, yeah you can know. imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, so to be fair to her, she's done very well since then. Yeah, yeah. hopefully back stronger. Paris, you just touched on there. Things happen for a reason, and there's a bigger picture at ho- at mm-hmm. or in the on the horizon. I read that you spoke about the second that you saw the AFLW, knowing that that was what you wanted to do, come out yeah. and play. Do you feel like you're realizing right now what you're meant to be doing, and this is what you're meant to be doing? Yeah, because obviously the basketball. Yeah. took a turn and didn't go the way that mm-hmm. you had planned but in a way it went to your benefit in that you're out here now yes. as a professional athlete so I think it might have been three years ago Um, I got sent a jersey like an AFL jersey uh, from like a random company in Ireland and at the time I took no notice what I got and I was like okay it's a bit too big for me <laughs> Um, so actually Emma Sherwood has it now she actually has it she's a Swans jersey so yeah, I and it was the Swans jersey. Wait for this. So <laughs> when I was doing my interview with the Swans, they showed like a video going through the club. Halfway through, it, I was like, "Stop the video!" I was like, "I have that jersey," and I think in a way that was coincidental. That you know, at the time, I took no, like I didn't care. Like I just was like, "All right, jersey," but like everything is planned out. And like since I was a young girl, I wanted to go to America and play Division One basketball and go professional. Um, Obviously, you know, it was a tough time and it didn't exactly work there. But, you know, you never know in the future could play in the WNBL here. Um, like 
train every day basketball as well um so like I don't close the door on that you know I'm still 19 I literally could go 25 all right maybe I want to play basketball and go pro there um but yeah I definitely think but you did play division one basketball at GoPro. Yes, I know. In a different sport. In a different sport, and then maybe the Olympics in the future. So just, you know, <laughs> this is what goes through my head. Um, but yeah, no, it's crazy to think of where I am now from where I was a year ago. Like, in Tennessee, I felt completely alone. Like, everyone would be asleep in Ireland, and it'd be like 7 o'clock in uh, Tennessee, and I was like, what do I do with myself? It just felt like a continuous cycle, the exact same thing every single week. And um, yeah, whereas here it feels like I have an Irish family. Anywhere I go, like anywhere we go, there's Irish people. And it literally just feels like I'm in Trilly or Castle Island or what? I don't know. Yeah, just walk down to Coogee and you hear more Irish accents than the other time. But it's yeah, crazy. it's just, it's mad to think of where I was a year ago and where I am now. And like, I was scared coming here because I had lost so much confidence when I was in America. Like, I think one day uh, one day I was with Julie and I just started crying about it. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be the same player as I was before I went there. Like, even with Gaelic football, um, I was becoming very confident scoring. And then I was scared that I wouldn't be able to do the same here. So, yeah, it's it's mad to think what different surroundings do. And, like, here I just feel so happy like I want to be here all the time whereas in America it was a bit of a, a sludge and I was just like oh this is tough yeah and I heard you say before that you try to bring that injection of positivity into the group out here is that easier to do here than in America yeah definitely because everyone that's like that's our role everybody does it um everyone brings in a different part it's like we're all a piece of a jigsaw and everybody puts their piece into it. So it's great to like give and receive the same thing. Um, but yeah, I think it's just we're all very bubbly and we get along. It's like a big family. Here it's like even if you're not the best player, if you bring those comms, like you said, it makes a huge difference. Like You could almost have a role in the team just for your comms, essentially, because it adds so much to the group, especially in the backs. Like It's crazy. Yeah, the best way to defend is not have to defend. Yeah. So communicate up the line, <laughs> you won't have to do and it. And they do, they do here, like, and they, even in the backs, there's a lot of talk to, to the opposition and things like that. They love that here, like, which you wouldn't get much of at home in Ireland. Do you get involved? Uh, I I wouldn't really, but I wouldn't let someone just walk over me either at the same time. She does get involved. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, before the last game, I said to her now, she was going, um, marking someone specifically, and I was like, look, listen. Do not get into a fight. Just, you know, stay nice and calm, all right? She's like, but what if they start coming at me? And I was like, <laughs> just don't do anything. When your man starts pushing here. someone straight away, then. <laughs> when your man making a player here and all your teammates have said, like, they're going to do this to you, like, you have to be ready for it, really. She's as fired as they come. She I believe ready it. for a fight whenever. It, 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 it makes player. me play better. It makes me yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then Makes whatever. Me stress, then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, she'll be off the field. <laughs> That's the back versus the forward mentality. Yeah. Um, but if you're ever marking each other in training, I'm sure you'll drive each other on to higher yeah. standards. Yeah. We'll move on to quick fire questions to finish. The first one is proudest achievement to date. I had to think about this one. I haven't had much like achievement since I was young in All Ireland with Kerry when I was very young. Um, but probably getting the chance to come out here just like getting to go professional really is where I put myself at that 
mine would be that too, but another one would be when I was 12, I went into UL, saw the golden basketball in UL, and I was like, Mom, I want that. Thought you could buy it. <laughs> and then uh, when I was playing basketball every single year, that was my aim and goal to get that. And then uh, when I was in my leaving search, I actually got the golden ball. Um, so that's probably one of my biggest achievements that I really wanted that ball. <laughs> Class, and you got it. Favourite athlete of all time? Um, I'm going to do a man and a woman. So Katie McCabe, big fan of her. She's just fantastic. And then... She likes to fight. She, <laughs> she, she does. does. She loves to aggression. I, I can't tell her not to fight. <laughs> <laughs> We're not on a personal level. <laughs> um, I would I'd have to go with... I like Steph Curry, so I'm going to say Steph Curry. Yeah. He's a bit more timid. Yeah, he is. He he's more my kind of like. Let's just play, do the talking. Whereas Katie's more Julie. She lets her talk and her play, do Bring the talking. Bring the aggression and the defense. Well. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'd probably go with Kate Taylor. Yeah, I think she's very inspirational. Kind of just sets standards for women's sport across the world, really. So yeah. She doesn't do as much talking as you no, do. She's, <laughs> she's very quiet, to be fair. Yeah, but she... she it's still aggressive and plays aggressive, but if you even play boxing, I don't think <laughs> I you don't do. <laughs> um, biggest thing you've learned in the last 12 months? Probably to take opportunities. I think, like you said, it's always a hard decision to change your setting and go and do something new. So, yeah, take opportunities, no matter what it is. It doesn't even have to be in sport. I think there's just no limit to what you can achieve. If you say you want to do something, put your head down and you can achieve that. What would you tell your 18-year-old self? I don't know if I should uh, ask you well, this question. I literally <laughs> just, yeah. You're actually <laughs> the youngest year. guest ever on the podcast. It's just first the first Kerry, yeah. the two of us, <laughs> first basketballer to go to America, and now this. Just but what would you tell yourself this time last year? Um, expect the unexpected. Yeah, maybe that. <laughs> no, I don't know. Just, I think, to keep going. Because at that time I was like, oh my God, this is tough. But yeah, it's just resilience and keep going. Yeah. I'd probably have said like, not to settle for anything. Like you think you've reached your full potential when you reach a milestone or get something that you thought you deserved for years. But I think you can always keep setting standards for yourself. So never settle for what you think you want. Awesome. Thanks a million girls for coming on. Thanks Great for having us. us.